If you've got your scriptures uh, this morning, uh, your iPhones, your iPads, whatever it is that uh, you're going to be using this morning, go ahead and turn to Joshua chapter 1, Joshua chapter 1, and we're going to be kind of getting into Joshua 1, 1 through 9. And you're going to hear the word Joshua quite a bit. You know, we've been having children's moments for the last few weeks, so... Uh, we don't have any kids here, but uh, you're all kids at heart. So here's what I'd love you to do. I know you're going to be laser focused on everything I say from the entire sermon. That is a lie. So if you're beginning to wander, here's what I want you to do. Take out your phone and any Josh or Joshua that you know, shoot him a text and say, hey, today, talking about you. God loves you. That's all you need to say, okay? So uh, uh, shoot that out to any Josh or Joshua that you know, and we're going to get into that in just a moment. And uh, I love what Sean said is as we get into this series, Defining Moments, uh, how important it is to look at transitions that we go through, all of us go through in life, and how God is with us. He gives us strength and he gives us courage. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for being with us. Your presence is with us. Your power is with us. Your strength is with us. We come here because this is a place of refuge and this is a place of hope. Uh, that's what the church is all about. And Lord, with the craziness and the storms and the anxieties of life, this is the place that no storm is going to blow away because, Lord, the church is the body of Christ. Thank you for being with us in such a profound way. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Defining moments to be strong and to be courageous. In order to get in today's scripture, you really have to identify who the guy is that wrote it, and the guy that really is sharing these powerful words, and this man's name is Joshua. So let's just do a quick summary of his life. His name, uh, his Jewish name means uh, God is generous, and also it means Jehovah saves, translated then Joshua. And before you read Joshua 1, you need to know that. Matter of fact, you need to know that that name actually is a surname when it says God saves, Joshua is a surname for who? Jesus. And so we need to understand that from the very beginning, God is, through the Old Testament, letting all of us know his plan, that salvation is for every man and every woman and every child, but also salvation comes through who? Jesus Christ. And here we are once again reminded. Now, if you don't know the story of Joshua, this is such a great story. And that is, you need to go back actually 40 years previous to this writing in Joshua 1. And if you go back to the book of Numbers, Numbers 13 and 14, you're going to hear this story. It's a pretty remarkable story. And also a heart-wrenching story. Uh, Moses led the Israelites, as you know, and they, they kind of wandered around for a couple of years. God was preparing them to go into the promised land. Finally, they got to the threshold of the promised land, and Moses made one mistake. He was trying to gain momentum, and he's trying to gain uh, just uh, confidence in what God had given them, this promised land. So he thought, here's a great thing. I'm going to take 12, uh, a representative from each tribe, 12 representatives, they're spies, and I'm going to send them into this land of Canaan. And they're going to come back with this raving review of how great it is, and then, boy, the people are just going to be ready to go. Okay, anybody see a flaw in that plan? You're, you're, you're basically taking the promise of God, and you're saying, I'm trying to get an endorsement from man, and that never works. 
And here the spies go in, and they come back and they give this report. And the report was, man, this is awesome. You know, the, the land of milk and honey. I mean, this is an amazing place. Bad news is, you can't believe who lives there. There is no way we can take them out. We need to just stay right where we're at. Of course, Moses is outraged. Uh, Ten of those spies completely sold out on God. And the entire nation began to rise up, but there were two other leaders, other than Moses, that stood up and said, wait a second, God promised us this land. This is my translation, okay? Perfect. And God promised us, what are you doing? Why are you wallowing in fear? Why are you wallowing in anxiety? Why are you worried about something that isn't, it's really none of your business. God said, take it, we're gonna take it. And they rose up against them. Now, who were those two guys? Joshua and Caleb. Uh, My son, my only son, that's why his name is Caleb. I love Joshua and Caleb. And I love the spirit that uh, is a lesson for everybody in this room. Uh, And I think you would all agree. Aren't there times in life, pivotal, transitional times in your life, when the majority is wrong? See what I'm saying? Happens all the time. Just because the majority says this is the right way to go, you always go back and you connect with God and you say, God, is this the right way to go? Don't depart from the right or to the left. You cling to what you know is true. What I love about Joshua is he was so faithful to Moses and he was faithful to his country and he was committed to God's word and to prayer And I love Joshua because he had the heart of a servant, but he had the soul of a warrior. We are taking the land, okay? That's when you read Joshua 1. I also love Joshua because he finished well. There's a book called The Ascent of Leadership, and in it, Dr. Robert Clinton is quoted to say that 70% of all leaders do not finish well. So if you want to know a little something about Joshua, if you go to Joshua 24, 15, he stands before the nation of Israel again. And remember this powerful message. He says, you need to choose today whom you will serve. But as far as me and my house finish it, we will what? There it goes. You need to know from the time 40 years previously before they entered the promised land, he was sold out to God. He was sold out to God going into the promised land. And all these years later at the end of Joshua, he is still committed and sold out to God. That is finishing well. But all of us, sadly, can think of leaders that they didn't end well. And that's sad, 70%. So, spoiler alert, throughout these next few minutes, you're going to hear the number 40 a few times because it's very important. And as you go through Scripture, you realize 40 is a big number. So, I want to share a 40 that is really important and what it means to finish well. Uh, Some of you know this, some of you don't. So, I've known Tom Ellsworth uh, since I was around 13, 14 years old. Tom was 19 years old, a skinny kid from southern Indiana, came to this little bitty church and, uh, right outside of St. Louis, Pontoon Beach, Church of Christ, and he was our youth minister. And uh, I, remember my, I still remember my mom, because I'll be honest, I would love to tell you, at age 13, 14, I loved going to church. I hated 
church. I, I didn't dislike it. I get up every Sunday morning like, you've got to be kidding me. And I would give my mom all the, all the reasons why church was so boring. And I remember she came home, she goes, they're hiring. Now remember, this is 1974, okay? They're hiring a youth minister. And I'm like, what is that? She goes, it's somebody that actually likes you. And I, I don't know why, but they're going to like you, you know that? And so I went to church, pretty apprehensive, but I really did grow to love this guy, Tom Ellsworth. And uh, two years later, Tom uh, went to another church where he was able to preach. And, and I'll be honest, I still remember that. Uh, I remember giving him a hug. You don't hug a guy when you're 15, but I hugged him. And I'm like, you know, hey, see you later, man. You did a great job. And I, walked, you know, I was real cool. And then I ran to the car. You know what I did? You already know. You see it all the time. I just bawl like a baby. Oh, gosh, I miss him so much. And I was just hollering. But let me tell you what I love about Tom and his ministry at Sherwood Oaks. 40 years. You talk about a guy that finished well. Can we give it up for Tom Ellsworth? Okay. That's Joshua. That's a Joshua spirit, is Tom. You read in Numbers, 30, number, Numbers 33, <clears throat> this is another 40 that will blow you away. And this sets you up for Joshua 1. So in Joshua 1, he is preparing the nation, honestly, for war. You're not going to go get the land free. I'm not sending in any spies. You need to be prepared. But they were ready. Because we know from Numbers 33, it says they wandered for 40 years in the desert. How many of you have ever heard that one? They wandered for 40 years. Do you know how many times, because it specifically tells you, not just where and when, it tells you how many times they pulled up stakes and they moved to another location. Anybody want to guess? 40 times. Now, two things I want you to reflect on. How many of you can remember going camping with your family and things didn't go as you thought they would go, okay? And aren't those the best stories? I mean, lost, unless you lost one of your kids, okay? If they, I didn't mean to touch on the nerve. But anyway, you go on Easter and it usually rains or something ridiculous happens. And actually, those are the best memories. There's one thing about camping. It's another thing about making an, a complete move. Uh, I, just a little over a year ago, uh, and a lot of you helped us move. Now, we only moved probably a half hour, but the day you move, is that a great day? <laughs> Seriously. Matter of fact, on the count of three, I want you to yell a word that comes to your mind when you move. Now, remember, <laughs> you're in church, okay? So here we go. <laughs> on the count of three. One, two, three. Exhausted. Oh, man, Exhausted. I think I heard sin. I mean, I mean, it's just a terrible. Okay, imagine that. Times, literally moving your entire family. Now imagine Moses moving a nation. Imagine that. And they've been through this so many times. They're ready to do anything right about now. And so we get <coughs> to Joshua leading the people. <clears throat> I'm coughing because I, <clears throat> because of God. <laughs> Everybody in the front row, great, I'm running straight to a clinic. Okay, here we go. <laughs> 
Warren Bennis, you know Warren. Warren Bennis said this about leadership. Leadership is a word on everyone's lips. The young attract it. I love this. While scholars want it, bureaucrats pretend to have it, politicians wish they did. Everyone agrees there is less of it than there used to be. Leadership. We need more leaders. That's what I love about Joshua. For 40 years with the constant change, all the wandering and all the complaining, he didn't change. He was a leader. Joshua 1, verses 1 through 5. Follow with me. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan into the land that I'm about to give them to the Israelites. And let me pause there. Something really interesting. We do this in our country all the time. If somebody really famous dies, what do we do? Anybody? We have a memorial. Okay. For example, I grew up in Illinois, and Abraham Lincoln is buried in Springfield, Illinois, and there's a huge statue of his bust in front of his, where he's buried, and you rub his nose for good luck. You rub the statue. That's, kids in Illinois are kind of weird that way, but we're attached to Abraham. Okay, that's what we do. Okay, uh, all over the world they do this. They have memorials. Do you know they don't know where Moses died? Isn't that interesting? There's no memorial to Moses. Now, why do you think that is? God didn't want them to worship Moses. Okay, He wanted them to realize you got to start moving forward. Verse 3, I'm going to give you a place. I'm about to give you a place where if, when you set your foot, as I promised Moses, your territory will extend from the desert of Lebanon from the great river, the Euphrates, to the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, there's his reminder, so I will be with you. And then let's say this together. I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. That's why God's word is eternal. And maybe for some of you, that's exactly And maybe that's all you need to hear this morning. God will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And he talks about the promised land. And if you were to go there today, that includes the nations of Israel, Lebanon, Syria, Jordan. Where he set his foot, God said, this land is the nation of Israel's land. But in order to go into that land, two reminders. And there are actually two words. And those words are strong and courageous. Strong and courageous. Now look at verses 6 through 9. By the way, for a lot of folks that are going through difficult times, they will land. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say, this is the section of Scripture that they will turn to time and time again. If you don't have Scripture like that, I want to encourage you to highlight verses 6 through 9 because in your, your toughest times, I'm telling you, this will give you encouragement. Verse 6, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land that I swore to their ancestors to give to them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all that the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. 
Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be successful. Now, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Be strong. Be courageous. Strong, out of the Oxford Dictionary, this is the definition. It's having power to perform a specific action well and powerful, possessing skills and qualities that create the likelihood of success. It's a great word, isn't it? Success. But it's not the kind of success that usually we put in a column. It's God's kind of success, which comes through faith in God. The strength that Joshua is speaking of, even though it will take warfare, is not physical. The strength comes from the inside out. It's spiritual. How are you going to get that strength? Verse 8, keep the book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. Folks, this isn't anything new. Moses used this exact phrase time and time again to encourage people. Be strong. Be courageous. David when giving instruction to his son Solomon, said, be strong and be courageous. All of us know how important it is to be strong and courageous. And we know that that strength comes from the inside out. Now, here's where it gets hard. How do you develop strength and how do you develop courage? Is it in the good times of life? I wish. It's usually when there's a crisis. When do you see strength and courage in others? During the good times? No. It's during a crisis or during the difficult times you see this strength. And is it physical strength that you're looking for in others in tough times? Well, maybe if you've got a flat tire, you need somebody to lift a car or go run in a burning house and get a kid, you know. But most of the time, really what you're looking for is the fortitude from the inside out. And you know what I love? You never know where that strength comes from. Because there's a huge difference, isn't there, between physical strength and fortitude and inner strength. Uh, let me give you an example. How many, I know we've got a few. How many nurses do we have here have ever drawn blood? Good. So you, you're going to relate to this story. Okay. So years ago, when I was in Bible college, they had a blood drive. <clears throat> and so, uh, you know, we, a bunch of people volunteered, you know. Uh, I probably gave more blood than anybody because, you know, I'm most like Jesus. So anyway, we all were going and giving blood. And then at the end of the day, uh, the story got out. And here, here was the story. The guy that was the center on the basketball team and small Bible college, but he was six, six and he, he was a stud. I mean, this guy was just ripped and he had the face. This is back in the early eighties when mustaches were really cool. And he wore it with, I mean, you just didn't mess with him. His name was Leroy Brown. You have to be old to even know what that means. No, his name, I'm not going to give you his name. So anyway, he, uh, he went in to give blood. Anybody want to guess what happened? He passed out. He, he boom, hits the floor, and then the word rippled. Now, I'm not giving blood. Blow, blow. He passed out, you know. And I've talked to nurses behind the scene, and they said, you never know. You may have this scrawniest person come in, and it's like, hook it up, let's take it. And then you got somebody come in, maybe an IU football player, like, oh, don't hurt, oh, that hurt. You're like, oh, grow up, baby, you know. You don't know. Ask any coach who's ever coached for a while. 
whether it's men or women. Ask any coach. Do you know right away who's going to be the best ball players on your team? When you first begin practice, do you know? And you know what they'll all say if they're honest? No. Because the first day of practice, I look at this individual and I'm like, boy, they've got so much potential. You know what potential gets you? Nowhere. Potential doesn't mean a thing. And then you got this scrawny kid. And that scrawny kid can't do anything the first day of practice. I mean, that, that scrawny kid will screw up a two-car parade. You know what I'm saying? That kid has no potential. But something happens. The scrawny kid with the big heart, that I'm going to do whatever it takes. You know what you do with those kids? Those are the kids that win you championships. Isn't that true? That's what God's looking for. Joshua said, listen, you got to be strong. You got to be strong from the inside out. You need to realize that life is going to get hard, but meditate on God's word to draw your strength. I got some great news. Starting September 13th, there's another sermon series that's going to go all the way to the end of November. And that is going to focus through the entire book of Acts. But what we're going to do in that series is, and this is going to be available for everybody, we're going to have a hard copy, and we're also going to have online, and it's called SOAP. And I've shared before what SOAP stands for is Scripture, Observation, Application, Prayer. And we've got booklets for everybody that wants one. So over that 11 to 12-week stretch, we're going to have a men's study and a women's study. I think we may be doing it with the youth. But it's open for all individuals. You can get that online again or you get a hard copy. And you just start to pour into God's Word every day through the book of Acts. And I'm telling you, on the other side of that, you will be stronger. When you begin to see how the early church, they also were strong. We need to get strong in God's Word. And then second of all, courageous. I love this. This King's, comes out of the King James Version Dictionary, the definition of courageous. It's the heart of bravery, the quality of mind which enables men and women to encounter danger and difficulties with firmness, without fear of depression of spirits. Strength comes from preparing ourselves for the spiritual warfare that's ahead And if you don't think we're in spiritual warfare right now, two words, wake up, wake up. This is spiritual one-on-one battle. Uh, This isn't all coincidental, okay? I'm just telling you straight up. Uh, If you think, oh, boy, this is is epidemic. This is just consequential. This is crazy. No, no, this is spiritual warfare. And so from the inside out, Draw close to God and take one step at a time. Draw your strength because you're going to need courage to move forward. Strength gives you the courage, the courage to take the risk, to step out in faith, to actually do what Joshua 1 has has told us to do four times. Four times, he says, to be strong and to be courageous. Verse 6, verse 7, verse 9 Verse 18, when you get home, read it and read it and read it again. He focused on the power of God in front of the nation of God. He focused on the promises of God, and then he was led by the presence of God. That's what courage will do. It allows us to experience the power of God. It allows us to really cling to the promises of God, and then ultimately, in the darkest moments of your life, you experience 
the presence of God. And you will have the courage that you need to put faith into action. Be strong. Be courageous. I look back in my life and I think of all the people that have uh, done so much, have been amazing examples for Christ. And if I really spend time thinking about it, those two qualities are in every one of their lives. There's an inner strength that you can't explain. And because of that inner strength, they're willing to take risk and they're courageous. I read this the other day. I was actually listening to a message on this text. And um, this minister, and I love this dude's name. Um, uh, his name is Gino uh, uh, Grigacci. Gino Grigacci. Um, I think he's Irish. <laughs> it's just a joke. Okay. So anyway, Gino Grigacci uh, prayed a dangerous prayer. And if you pray it, uh, buckle up. You know what prayer was? Lord, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do, and I'm willing to go wherever you want me to go. You want strength and courage? Pray that prayer. And then watch out. Him and his wife prayed that prayer. And amazingly, here's what God laid on their hearts. <clears throat> and this is a great thing for husbands and wives to do, is to say that prayer, but not share with one another what you really think God is communicating until you're really clear about this and just see if it's the same prayer that you sense God moving. Well, they both sense the same thing. I think God wants us to plant a church. So then the husband does what a lot of husbands do. He stopped talking to his wife. I know that none of you have ever done that. He's like, I got this. Yeah, we're going to plant a church. I'll take it from here, honey. You know, so he's praying. And so, of course, now his prayer is, God, you got to show us where we're supposed to go. He's focused on where we're supposed to go. Now, we know from today, that's not the focus. What's the focus? What does God want me to do? What does God want me to do? Not, God, give me a specific place. The place doesn't matter. It's the right attitude moving forward. Does that make sense? In time, God will show you where to go. But he's trying to figure it out the way we all do, reading and you know, studying and talking to friends and networking. He's doing all the right things, but he's just kind of leaving God and actually leaving his wife out. And then he said, honey, great news. God's leading us to Denver. Well, you might want to have that discussion before that. And she said, I don't get that sense yet, but if, if that's what you're feeling, she said, um, but um, I'm not feeling very well physically. I'm just, I need to get some tests. And she was diagnosed with cancer. Guess what just happened? Denver came off of the priority list. That makes sense? Now, all of a sudden, their priority is her survival. And they began to beg, God, the only thing that matters is that we're strong in you. And then give us the courage to move forward when you want us to move forward, not when we think it's the right time. So he said, we stayed exactly where we were. And every day, we battled cancer. And she was healed. And then, the moment she was healed, she said, I think it's time to go to Denver. And they planted a church. And it is a thriving church. Matter of fact, I did some more research on this particular church out in Denver. And now his son is the senior pastor. He discipled his son to take his place. 
It's a pretty amazing story. And I think of all the times in my life I've done that, where I kind of run ahead of God, and I need to back up and, and just say, wait a minute, you know, it doesn't matter about a location. You know, when Joshua was telling about the promised land, you know, the real promised land, if you're right with God, you have your promised land. If you're not right with God, you're just going to wander. That's the same truth for us today. Our promised land is the presence of God, period. It's not about a location. It's about, does he rule your heart? And if he does, I have two huge questions for you this morning. That's what this is all about, this tree. When you get home, pray about this and write a word or two on this tree. Put it on your refrigerator or someplace you're going to see it all the time. For me, <laughs> that would be the refrigerator. So you might want to put it where you're going to see it all the time. So here it is. Here's your first question. What is it today you need strength and courage for? Everybody here needs strength and courage for something different. But what do you sense right now? God, today, I need your strength and I need your courage. What is that? And when you get home, write those one or two words on this tree as a reminder that you need his presence in your life. But here's the second question. Who in your life currently needs your strength and courage? Because I guarantee there's somebody. I don't know if you need to send a personal card, an email, or a text. I don't know what it is that you need to do. But whatever it is, there's somebody that needs your strength. There's somebody that needs your courage. And you need to do something about that. And my guess is God will lay that name on you today.